DJ and PK brought to you in part by Syringa Networks, home to complete business telecom and IT solutions, backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communications for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. Game seven tonight. Who's going to win, the Jazz or the Nuggets? You know, PK, this demands a poll question, does it not? The pulse of the people. Demands it. Demands it. Right now, uh, because I put it up, uh, Jazz in a squeaker, Jazz win big. Nuggets in a squeaker. Or Nuggets win big. What do you think? Right now, 61% of the people have the Jazz winning, but 43% say in a squeaker, 18% say they win big. 21% of the people think the Nuggets are going to blow the Jazz out. Hasn't happened yet. The most comfortable win was game six. Game five, they had to come from behind. Game one was overtime. Those are the Nuggets' three wins. Game six wasn't blowout territory. It was just comfortable. Right. I agree. Whereas the Jazz had to, all right, all the starters can sit. Bench guys, you're in. (laughs) Clear the bench. Yeah. And then they won a really close game in game four. So you can vote. Go to David DJ James on Twitter. I cast your vote. We're over 300 votes so far, and uh, we'll uh, update this before the show ends. Ah, we got this. Oh, yeah? You're feeling confident now, huh? Well, it depends on who we is, but we got this, yeah. <laughs> okay, fine. Nice dodge. <laughs> You're a dodgeball champion. Yeah, we got this. It's in the bag. Count on it. Steven agrees with you. Steven tweets at us quite a bit in these situations, and Steven thinks we got this too, although in his case, the we is Denver because he gives the Jazz a 20% chance of winning. Denver, huh? I would, I would be, if I'm a hardcore fan, you know, where the outcome really, really matters to me from a fan perspective, I, which I get, a lot of folks are like that, uh, I would be nervous. The game seven. That's the beauty of sports. You should be nervous. You had three other chances to wrap this up by definition. <laughs> okay, I'd be more nervous to be in a Jazz fan than I would be a Nuggets fan. The other game seven is Houston and Oklahoma City. Who would be nervous in that situation? Houston, because they should have wrapped it up. Oklahoma City's not expected to win. Well, I, I've always believed Houston was overrated. Uh, I don't think they're as good as people think. And I don't think Oklahoma City is as bad as, not that they're bad, but I don't think they got the respect that they deserved. Because I looked at their team and I thought, they've got bona fide NBA players on this roster. I mean, guys who can play. Steven Adams and what you're asking him to do is very good. Paul well, especially, is still excellent. Especially in this series. With Houston going small, Steven Adams... Uh, you know, he's going to get a lot of rebounds, and they've sent him to the offensive glass, and he's getting a lot of boards. And that's more possessions. You don't have yeah. to defend Houston. You've got a better chance of scoring. Sure. You know, there, there aren't many coaches who complain, oh, another offensive board, huh? You know, if it gets you beat on a fast break, it's a problem. But they got four guys back, and Steven Adams goes and gets the ball, and he went and got the ball. Well, with in or without six. anybody who's Houston's playing, I think Steven Adams, he's a good I player. could say, as well as anybody in the league, plays his role, plays at the highest percentage. I don't think there's anybody who plays their role better than what 
is being asked of Adams. Now, obviously, a lot more is asked of LeBron and whatnot, and those guys are better players. But what you're specifically asking Steven Adams to do and why he's been in the league all these years is because, see, you're going to do the stuff that you need him to do, and he does it very, very well. He's a role player, but he he, he gets whatever you ask him to do, and the coaches are not asking him to do beyond what he's capable of doing. That's the essence of coaching, putting your players in the position to succeed. Adams does that. And that was and he didn't get traded, so... They had that position. Gallinari is a fine, fine player. Could have been in a Jazz uniform. There's some backstory there that happened with the Hayward situation. I think he's a fine player, too. He had a big three uh, last night. Paul and Dort. Man, Dort coming out of nowhere. How about that? You got You've you nowhere is Arizona kid. State. Well, I mean, the draft. Okay. And, yes, basketball, <laughs> college basketball, ASU, for many, nowhere. many years can qualify as nowhere. They're getting better now, obviously, early. So it's not nowhere now. Historically, it's been nowhere. But undrafted and now starting in less than a year, that's a great story. DJ, PK, and we are joined now by Sean Hyken. He covers the NBA for Bleacher Report, and he joins us on the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Sean, good morning. Hey, how you guys doing? We're doing well. It's Game 7. Let's get right to it. Murray or Mitchell? Who's going to go off for 50, or have you got both of them going again? I mean, the way this series has been going, maybe this, this has just been an incredible display from both of these guys, and they, you know we're, we're, we're kind of seeing. Uh, you know, like I've seen a couple of people speculating just about how why you know why the shooting has just been so much better in the bubble. Is it because of the lines of sight, or is it because of just a different environment? I don't know, but I mean, the, what both of them have been doing in this series so far has just been incredible. So what Game 7, the series that's gone to Game 7, surprises you more? This series or Houston and OKC? I'm a little surprised this series is at a seven game now just because you know, Utah was up 3-1, and usually when a team gets up 3-1, you usually think they're going to close it out. And then Jamal Murray was just like, nope, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to just – we're not just going to, you know – go like that and then they just you know they win the next two games and now it's at a game seven i i i was a little higher on oklahoma city than most people going into that series so i kind of figured maybe you know and, and especially like that series had been going back and forth you know houston wins the first two okc wins the next two and then that one had been a little bit more competitive but then i thought especially especially after game of the Denver Utah series, where it looked like Denver just quit and they all just kind of didn't want to be there. I figured they were just probably done after that, and then they weren't. Sean Hyken join us, covers the NBA for Bleacher Report. So as you go into this game, and, and maybe it's just because he's been overshadowed because Murray's going nuts, so just let him have the ball and do his thing. And you look at Jokic's stats, and you know his scoring's up five, almost uh, six points a game, and he's you know he's playing five more minutes too, so that's part of it. Is there any chance he's the guy and he takes over because he has killed the Jazz at times? And I'm wondering if he's got one crazy game in him, and he's actually going to end up being the difference maker. I mean, he, at, t- at different times in the bubble, he's looked incredible. It's just, it's just, it's, it's kind of come and gone with him. I mean, going back again to that game three, that was one of the worst games I've ever seen him play. So you know, it's, it's something like he hasn't been doing it every time, but he has had games so far in the bubble where 
you're just like, okay, yeah, this is Nikola Jokic MVP candidate. So yeah, I mean, I could see it, it being him this time. Maybe you know, Jamal Murray needs a little bit of a break. He can't do it by himself every single night. You look at Mike Conley, and he's had an up-and-down season, but this is the very reason they brought him over. I would suspect that he would come through. How would you respond to that? Yeah, it, it's been an interesting <laughs> year for him because when they traded for him last summer, it, it seemed like it was just a, you know, a great pickup because you know, he'd done so much for Memphis for the, play, the playoffs, especially for so many years. And then it just looked like he might have just been done most of this year. He, he wasn't very good. He wasn't. Mike Conley that he had been in Memphis, he came back. Uh, I mean, I don't know if it's that new dad energy, just like the Fred, like Fred Van Vliet with the Raptors last year in the playoffs, but he's been phenomenal since he got back to the bubble. So are there role players in this game that you trust more or less? Somebody you think could be a difference maker for the good or <clears throat> a difference maker for the bad? Well, I mean, it's a huge wild card, I think, for Denver has been Michael Porter Jr. at the beginning, like especially in those regular season or seeding games, quote-unquote, in the bubble. He was one of the best players in the NBA, and then he's kind of come back down to earth a little bit. It's like the defensive inexperience become pretty obvious. But what he can do, you know, with, with this, you know, with, you know at, at, the, at the highest level is, you know, it's pretty obvious just how talented he is. Uh, I think maybe just you know having the key in, you know having a team just key in on him for an entire series like Utah has uh, has maybe been a little bit of a reality check for him. But this might be I don't know this may be a game where he just kind of kind of snaps out of that and is like okay I can just you know show people kind of what I was doing during the seeding games. Do you think if with these seven game series they're exciting and all and it's fun to watch from a fan perspective? But do you think in the end it's Clippers versus Lakers in a Western Conference Final? Not necessarily. I mean, this is just a weird year where I could just see everything going kind of different ways in terms of, like, I think the year that I compare this the most to is the 99 lockout season where they basically played 50 games in uh, three months. And and uh, the Knicks made the finals in eight seeds. So, you know, if you, if you tell me that, you know, either Denver or Utah is able to get past the Clippers in the next round, or, you know, you tell me that either Houston or Oklahoma City is able to get past the Lakers. It wouldn't shock me. I mean, I think the favorites are probably the two L.A. teams to get into the conference finals. But, you know, I, I don't think they're locks by any means. So do you think the, the Jazz and the Nuggets specifically against the Clippers, are the Clippers heavy favorites against the winner of this series? I think you would think they would be on paper. I mean, especially, you know, with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, there's two guys there that they can throw at uh, Donovan Mitchell to maybe slow him down because it, there's really there's really nobody on the uh, Nuggets who is left. Those two guys are Whether it's him or Jamal Murray that, you know, they, that ends up getting, uh, you know, thrown into kind of that defensive matchup, especially, you know, Paul George has kind of woken up a little bit. The last couple of games it's kind of started to look more like himself. I would expect the Clippers are probably the favorites, but again, I don't think it's just like a prohibitive lock by any means. I haven't been impressed with the Bucks here since the, the season resumed, and obviously they're down to Miami one nothing. With that in mind, is the East a little more wide open than we originally thought? Maybe I've always kind of thought the East was a little bit more wide open than it has been. I'm still high on Toronto, even though I know they got blown out by Boston in the first game, but that's I think they're going to bounce back. I think they'll. They still have a pretty good shot. Boston, I think, has looked as good as anybody in the playoffs so far. And then uh, 
you know, Miami, you've seen kind of the problems that they can give uh, the Bucks yesterday. With you know, Jimmy Butler is a guy who's capable of carrying uh, you know a team, and then you know, Bam Adebayo is obviously a great defender. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if any of it. I wouldn't write the Bucks off just yet, but I wouldn't be surprised if any of those teams come out of the East. I think it's a lot more wide open than the West is. So when you talk about how wide open everything is, I mean, the history of the game is if I gave you two or three picks to pick the champion at the start of the season and I took the field, you would take all my money, Sean. <laughs> In the long run, you would clean me out. So to have a year that this is this wide open, is it because we're just at a period where it's this wide open or is it the one-off, this unusual year, 1999-ish, as you bring up, and it's the bubble? And we're always going to look at this champion a little differently. Well, I think we're going to look at the champion a little bit differently, not necessarily in a bad way, but I think it's just because we're going to look at every single aspect of life in 2020 a little bit differently. Like, yes, of course, this champion is, is going to be a little bit unusual because there's literally never been circumstances like this before. So I don't think you can really, like, I, I don't know if you can really, like, how much you can really look at, oh, what they did in the regular season before the season got shut down in March and say that that's really indicative of anything for any of these teams. But uh, Because, again, we were just talking about, for example, with, with Utah, Mike Conley, you know, he wasn't that great for most of the season, and then he's been terrific in the bubble. So I, I, think, I think this is definitely going to be a champion where I don't know necessarily an asterisk in a negative way where you say, oh, it doesn't count as much, but it's definitely different just because this entire circumstance is so unprecedented. So... By the nature of the playoffs, as teams advance, you face better competition. That's the way it works, and it gets harder, theoretically anyway, to continue to win and do what you do. With that in mind, generally speaking, from the NBA perspective, you've already referenced how players are scoring a little bit more, maybe in some cases with Jamal Murray significantly more than they usually do based on regular season averages over at least a couple of seasons in Murray's case. With as I say, with that in mind, going forward, do you expect these explosive outbursts to continue, or do you think that maybe it will come back more normal as we get deeper into the postseason? I honestly have no idea. Every single thing about this has just been so outside of anything that we've seen. And, uh, I, you know, you've seen different players talk about how just the environment is different and how the, the lines of, I mean, the lines of sight are, are something that I've heard people talk about where just, you know, they can see the basket easier because of the way the court is configured. So I don't know. Like, I, I truly have no idea how the rest of this is going to shake out. So when you watch people, uh, and I guess what you say about teams applies to the individual here, when you watch people like Donovan Mitchell going off and when you watch uh, Murray going off, and there are other guys who had big games, do you really believe young stars are emerging or you're going to have to see this again when they return to NBA arenas with fans? Well, I, mean, I don't know if Donovan Mitchell is going to be scoring 50 points every game <laughs> when, when, teams, when, you know, when teams are back in arenas, but... I've always felt, for the last few years, I've felt like the league is in an incredible place in terms of the number of young stars that are, you know, once, because, you know, once the, the, you know, the LeBron generation is all kind of phased out in terms of, you know, the once those guys all age out, I still feel like whether it's those two guys or, you know, you saw what Luka Doncic just did in the last series or just there's so many other guys you can name, like, around the league. You know, you, you, know, you look at, you know, Giannis is still, you know, at his peak and getting better and, there are, there are so many guys around the league, and you know Jason Tatum in Boston. There's so many guys you can look at and say, okay, I think the league is in a pretty good place. And once you know, once all the more established guys kind of age out of being superstars. 
Well, Sean, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for checking in with us and uh, getting us ready for Game 7 tonight. Yeah, you guys have a good day. Sean Eichen covers the NBA for Bleacher Report. All right, you listen to that, PK. You pick any new nuggets out of this or... No, I'm right where I was going into it. New nuggets? I don't know that I would say use the word nuggets. New nuggets? I've got enough of the nuggets. I don't want any (laughs) new guys emerging. Plumley goes for 30? Come on. They take playing time away from Murray and Jokic. I didn't mean that literally. (laughs) New info. Click something in your mind. Clicks. Well, there's no question, you know, he emphasized the sight lines there. Yeah. And, and there, there's, there's obviously something to it. There has to we, be something to it. Yes. The, the numbers don't yeah. match up with everything we've ever seen in the history of the NBA. Right. Players can get better, but not this dramatically better. It just, you don't take this big of a jump just because you had a four-month layoff and a time where you wouldn't normally. You would be playing through June and see what happens there. And related so there's news, something going on. And related news, the Jazz have lowered the capacity of the arena to 12,000 seats and yeah. will be altering the configuration at halftime of each game. Uh, <laughs> so Donovan gets the shooting background. Well, yeah, that's what I thought of. I thought, well, teams ought to just, whatever they have there, create it and try to find a way to create it in their home arenas so they go berserko. Now, with this in mind, because it's been in the case of particularly Jamal Murray right now, he's probably played beyond what his capability has shown more than anybody who's still playing right now. There may be some role player that's giving you something, but Murray's not a role player, right? So I have to believe that it can't continue because he hasn't done it every game in this series. He hasn't done it all six a couple average games, right? Well, yeah, two, you can argue, bad. argue below average. Yeah, two bad games. Okay. So he's due, man. If he does it again, wow, gosh. I mean, that's just uh, what can you say? But, man, I just can't believe for two reasons that it just – he isn't that good – and the Jazz have got to say something about it. They've got to have a say about it. They've got to make some form of stand to make sure that it doesn't happen. He's going to get a fair amount. Fine. He got. He has the ball. He's going to be able to play. He's a good player. They'll get him shots. But not to this level. And if it requires him to get over 40, if you tell me right now, and the only way for the Nuggets to win is Murray's got to go for over 40, then I say Jazz win. He had 50 and a loss in their uh, three wins. He's gone for 36, 42, and 50. Uh, in the two blowout losses, he had 12 and 14-point games. And 36, 42, and 50? In his what wins. a win in hand while he's a brick! <laughs> come on, come on. Ouch! Nice! <laughs> Mike, Mike, letting it all hang out. He's letting it all hang out so far, man. <laughs> All right, we got a lot of people uh, tweeting at us. We got your predictions. We got your takes. What's going to happen? How's it going to happen? We'll get to that. We'll get to everything we've been talking about during this show. Get you all up to speed. If you haven't heard, BYU getting hit with a really bad injury. It's a bad story individually. It's a bad story for the team. Uh, and where do they go from here? Well, they, they go to Annapolis to play Navy Monday night, the season opener. We'll get to that story next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. 
there's no trick to game seven. It's, you know, win or go home. It's just as simple as it gets. I think what we all have grown up playing in, in tournaments like that, where you just, you know, if you if you lose, you go home. I think there's no single better game to be a part of in sports. Uh, game sevens are unbelievably competitive. You're going to see the best from everybody on that court, on both teams. And uh, that's what you come out here to do, is, is to have moments like this, have opportunities to, to, to play in big moments. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time to catch you up to speed on everything we're talking about. And we're talking about what Mike Conley's talking about. Game 7. This is it. Jazz and Nuggets. All of this brought to you by Larry H. Miller, Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram in Sandy. Find your deals online at lhmdeals.com. Mike Conley's been in three Game 7s, a couple of them in first-round series, one in second-round series when he was in Memphis. There are a couple seven-gamers with Oklahoma City and, and one with the Spurs. He lost all of those. Can he break through and win tonight? Ingles and Gobert played in Game 7. They won against the Clippers in L.A. three years ago. And for the Nuggets, tons of Game 7 experience because this group was in a couple of Game 7s last year. Uh, they beat the Spurs in the first round at home in Game 7 and then lost to the Blazers at home in Game 7. Uh, no off-the-chart numbers for Jokic or Murray in those games. Murray really struggled shooting the ball in the loss to Portland. Uh, they both had 20-point games, 21 and 23 against the Spurs. So they got... A little bit of positivity to draw on there, PK, and a little bit of negativity to draw on. But especially in the case of Murray, who's still only, he was 22 then and he's 23 now uh, and getting better. Yeah, you've got that experience, but it, it seems like he's progressed since then, especially the way he's been going in this series. That seems way more important. Well, I'm going to draw on what happens tonight, not what happened last year. And what do they do tonight? That's all that matters. We head on. Katie Wingy from the uh, from Altitude covers the Nuggets analyst uh, host reporting does a little bit of everything there and I asked about the role players who could step up and she went to Porter you buying him under pressure in the bubble in his first big playoff series well he has the most skill of all their bench guys or their role players so he would be the logical guy to go to yeah I mean he's the best looking prospect they have and then they got a bunch of young guys so they're still the best days are ahead of them particularly with Mary and Jokic but if I'm going to look at the guys that they got as far as role players I think you obviously go to Porter because he's had the biggest games in the bubble Grant has been okay and he had a very nice game the other day but he hasn't had the explosion eye-popping numbers that Porter has put up in a couple of these games before the playoffs started so naturally you go to him but uh, if he beat you, I'll take my chances. I'd rather have him have the opportunity to beat you than the other two guys, Murray and Jokic. In the wins for Porter, uh, 13 points in the OT win in Game 1, although in 5 of 13 shooting. So uh, 15 points in the win in Game 5 when they rallied in the second half from 15 down. And then really, uh, scoring-wise, just not a factor in the 119-107 game. He only had two points, but he did have 12 rebounds in that game. And when you're scoring at such a clip, you know the rare time you get a stop, if you get a rebound... Uh, an extra possession, that matters a lot. There aren't a lot of rebounds to be had. We always talk about how, well, back in the day, the rebound numbers were off the charts because everybody shot such a low percentage. And with both these teams shooting a high percentage, 12 is a, a big number for rebounds. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's a decent number either way, no matter what the story right. is. But, yeah. 
he was there. He was their leading rebounder, and uh, it wasn't close. He had more than twice the rebounds that uh, than anybody else had. Gobert led the Jazz with ten. So uh, we're getting a lot of feedback. We spent a lot of time uh, with people weighing in on this, and uh, Jazz fans are all over the map. Which I guess, since it's a game seven, that that stands to reason. It's about where the expectations ought to be. Plenty of people want uh, want Murray double teamed. And going back to what you said about Porter, Porter beats you. If anybody else beats him, at this point, even Jokic, although that would still stink, Jokic is really good. We know that going in. But anybody mm-hmm. other than Murray, not another, not another well, yeah. fifty-point game. You don't want to see the same story over and over again. There's no excuse for it now. You've seen it enough. Now you got to go about preventing it. And you're not asking for much. You're not asking to shut him down. You're just asking him not to go for 50. If you knew Murray was going to score 30, would you think the Jazz won? Because 30 is usually a huge number, but since he's had 36, 42, 50, what a winning number. Uh, 30 sounds pretty good. Well, it depends on what Donovan Mitchell does. If Donovan Mitchell goes for 18, then that exasperates then problem. So, yeah, so I have to see what the other guys and the other team are giving you. But if I assume Mitchell is doing what he's been able to do, somehow in my mind I seem I see more Mitchell I see Mitchell as more credible in being true to these numbers, and maybe that's just a biased Homer uh, viewpoint that I've got. Uh, I'm expecting Mitchell to come up big, uh, and so if I had to bet on either of the two, I'd bet more on Mitchell, and that's probably a more of a parochial viewpoint. Uh, so. I think that if Murray just gets between 25 and 30, the Jazz's chances to win go go up much better. Well, under the theory that you need, uh, we were just talking rebounding. You know, the guy who has not been uh, doing what he normally does is Royce O'Neal. Uh, we have heard from Quinn Snyder how much he likes Royce's defensive rebounding. If you get somebody to miss, you better go get the rebound. I'd give him an offensive rebound and either an easy putback or another 14 seconds at least to go get a bucket. And O'Neal's rebounding has dropped from seven or eight boards a game. He's done around four boards a game here these last three games in the series. So everything is going to matter, every little thing, because – there have been some blowouts in this, but and these teams have played a bunch of close games, and I would think a close game tonight is way more likely than a blowout, which puts the emphasis on every little thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to buy that. That makes sense. So, Royce, even if you're not going to shoot it, and he's only averaging about six points in this series, uh, the, the eight rebounds, way better than the three or four rebounds. Go, go get them. All right, in addition to talking... Uh, in addition to talking about this Jazz game, uh, there were a couple other NBA games. The Thunder, on the verge of elimination with a few minutes to go, go on a 12-3 run to close the game, win the game, and force a Game 7 with the Rockets. So they'll play tomorrow night. Winner gets the Lakers. And that was, uh, that was Houston at the end of the game, coming up completely empty. The ball not in Harden's hands. It was in Westbrook's hands. And he launched an air ball and turned it over twice. Uh, once on the dribble and once on the uh, just throwing the ball out of bounds with a bad pass. And in addition to that, also in the last three or four minutes, not in the last 90 seconds, but he, he missed a layup when he beat a guy baseline and then kind of basically threw it off the bottom of the rim. That was, uh, that was a brutal closing stretch for the Rockets. It was awful. Couldn't have been worse, yeah. You went down without your best guy, uh, arguably the most prolific guy at his position in the league, and he wasn't even touching the ball. Westbrook looked out of control. 
Well, he's a fun player to watch, but out of control. He drove the lane, the left side, and put up a layup that uh, I don't even think barely got underneath the bottom of the backboard. Yeah. Shoots an air ball and then commits a turnover. I mean, what the heck was that? Harden was just standing there. The the, the offense got to go through Harden. Westbrook, you're in a new situation now. You're not you're not the beast where the ball is you all the time and you are the ball. That's not the way it works. You got to get uh, Harden an opportunity to do his thing. I mean, he had just hit his a few possessions early, a step back three in the corner that looked like it was about from the fifth row. It's an, it's an, it's literally an indefensible play. Well, he had a guy jumping at him. There, there was no complaints yeah. about the defense. You know, you want people to shoot contested shots, and that was contested, and he just made it. Just, yeah, it was awesome. And that was at the time it put him up five. There's about four minutes to go or so, and it felt like they had it then, but they only scored one mm-hmm. bucket the rest of the way. Right, and they got one other point because. Um, uh, Chris Paul got a technical and Harden hit the free throw. Uh, yeah. But the only thing they generated was a, in transition, Westbrook, who's brilliant in transition. But in the set offense, they weren't guarding him. They were playing, they were playing six feet off him. When Houston went on their runs, it was usually when he was on the bench. You know, they had like a 10-0 run and he went in the game. Uh, but they were like, hey, we're, if you throw him the ball, we're okay with that. But we're going to drop this defender back and clog up the middle of the court. And, uh, and I thought it was interesting. The Rockets, not every time, but largely, they didn't throw him the ball. Like, right. Yeah, he's wide open, but we're not giving it to him. Yeah. So, all right. Well, all that strategy in their game seven tomorrow night, but it'll be the Jazz and Nuggets tonight. Uh, the other story we were talking about today, and we spent quite a bit of time on, is the, uh, the bad news for BYU. Injury at practice a week before the game. You're literally in the game week getting ready for the opener at Navy Monday night. And... Matt Bushman goes down. He had to be carted off, and it's an Achilles. Yikes. That is a horrible injury. So he's done for the season. And now who steps up or which multiple guys step up to fill that role? Because I think he was going to have a lot, of, a lot of passes thrown his way. He was going to have a lot of receptions and a lot of yards. He's coming back as a leading receiver with the second, third, and fourth top receivers gone. So it really is a case now of, Who's going to emerge here? And Lapini Coteau out of the backfield, great. Uh, I guess he'd be the second. He and Romney would be the top two returning guys now. So there are there are jobs open, catches to be made, yards to be gained. Dax Milne's also got to keep Dax Milne? Yeah. I think she, she had more yards than Romney did last year. Last year, excuse me. Yeah, well, let's not forget they're playing San Antonio and Texas State and also Army. True. So, I mean, come on now. It's not exactly murderous row here. So, as much as it sucks for Matt, which it does. It, yeah. Uh, Matt, Matt was going to run wild. Games. Matt was going to run wild and have a 1,000-yard season against if he stayed healthy. And I know they're only playing eight games, but I still think he could have had a 1,000-yard season. He was going to overmatch these teams completely. Um, yeah, oh, okay. Well, it's not there now. Nope. Nope. And whether it's uh, Romney or Katoa or... Uh, Dax Milne or, you know, who's going to emerge at tight end? Isaac Rex. Yach was uh, throwing Isaac Rex out as the most likely candidate, but they got other guys in there as well. Yeah, well, he's next in line, so. Next we'll man up. Is uh, Pututal still there? It seems like he was there 87 years. No, he is finally he's done. moved on. He's used all 87 years. And One other tight end you can pay attention to is Carter Wheat. Uh, he was out of Arizona, Red Mountain High School. Carter okay. Wheat? Mm-hmm. Oh, my wife's friend's friend. What? Wife's <laughs> friend's friend. Okay. Yeah, you know those people we always go up with uh, in yeah. Wyoming? Yeah. 
Well, that's... They know uh, the Wheat family? Tight. Ah! Yes. Yes. It's your wife's friend's friend. All right. Yeah, so I've been hearing about this uh, wheat guy for for a good long while, a number of years. Well, the possibilities are there. There's more playing time, more catches, more yards to be had. Well, there's always every season a couple of guys that uh, we don't really know is, are going to emerge, and then they emerge. You look at tight end Utah, Keithy, and now they won't have a season, which is preposterous. But, uh, you know, a lot of projections had him as all-conference tight end. He sort of came out of nowhere there, so it happens. Uh, the other story that we talked about early, Andy Reid, the former Cougar lineman, the former punt, pass, and kick star. Roll that video for the 500th time. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs rewarding him for that Super Bowl championship, a contract extension. He and the GM, Brett Beach, signed long-term deals tied through the club through 2025, which will take Andy, uh, really his Kansas. I, you think of him as a guy who was at Philly for a long time and has a good run at Kansas City, but he may ultimately end up with a longer run at Kansas City than he had at Philadelphia. And he had a good run at Philadelphia. Yeah. Take him right through until he's 67 years of age. If he falls through, and then he comes and coaches at BYU for a few years. <laughs> I'm all for it, man. You're not going to let that go, are you? <laughs> all right, I'll give you something new. Him and Beach, I mean, they're getting rewarded financially, so I wouldn't mind being some of their children. In fact, I mean, you look at Beach's situation, I wouldn't mind being his son because you know what that would make me? A son of a Beach, yes. I thought all along you were leading up to a day at the beach with no. all that money. No. No? Come on. No, no, no. I'd rather be his son. I mean, what better way to, to, to get your money? There you go. Uh, and Andy Reid, I, I will go down in infamy. Have I ever been used as an anonymous source? Yes, I have. The Philadelphia Inquirer writing a story when uh, the job came open when Lavelle Edwards retired 20 years ago. Ah. Uh. <laughs> and rumors really going around wow. that Andy Reid would be interested, obviously because of the religious connection. Philadelphia Inquirer calls me when I'm in a hotel in, in Fort Collins, Colorado, getting ready to go cover a BYU football game. And they run it, and they want to know, will the church ask him to be the coach? And they interviewed me anonymously. And I was working for the Watchdog at the time, and they were my quotes because I talked to the guy. I knew the guy, and I remember what I said. In fact, I said, no, they will not issue a calling. It will not be viewed as that. It will be as viewed as a job because you can get fired. Uh, and callings, you don't get fired. I realize you don't stay in them. That's what they do. They change them and call them release. I understand all that, but you're not fired. Uh, so with that in mind, they ran the story. And then what cracked me up, I'm working for the watchdog, and the D News picked it up its entirety and ran the story. Uh, with the anonymous source, and that anonymous source was me. <laughs> You've been published in two different papers in Salt Lake City. <laughs> the only time I've been quoted as an anonymous source. <laughs> Oops! <laughs> Do you tell anybody at the trip back in the day, hey, that's my quote in the D News, or you just keep that to yourself? I don't remember. I just remember the D News picking it up and running it verbatim, and it was me on the quotes. And, 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 and I knew that Val Hale was the athletic director at the time. They were all hyped up on Croton. And plus, I knew Vandy Reed wasn't coming anyway. <laughs> so he might take a huge pay cut, and he's a pro coach. And, 
you know, he had it going on at the time. So it just seemed like it was it was easy for me to talk about because I didn't think it was going to happen. I never, I never thought it was going to happen, nor do I ever think. He's established himself at the NFL level, and that's what he does, and he's a master at it. He's a Hall of Fame coach. Good for him. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. When we come back, your feedback. You can get the poll results, see what you think of the Jazz odds of winning tonight, and we'll do that next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. I know we don't talk a lot of boxing on this show, but over the weekend... I had a speed bag when I was a kid. Did you know that? Did I ever tell you that? Jake, were you about to tell a story that wasn't about Gordon? Was, how dare you? I was about to get into what how happened over the weekend, you, and now all of a sudden we're into Gordon's speed bag you as a said kid. boxing isn't what it once was. But you said it wasn't about him. No. I want to know. It's not, hey, everybody, look at me. Some fat guy won a match over the weekend. That may be the best story of the year right there. Right. Exactly. And, you, and you undersold it. Come on. Bring it strong. I wouldn't have interrupted that. I'm Gordon Monson. <laughs> Didn't even get to the story. Catch the Big Show. Presented by Mountain America Credit Union. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Feedback of the day is brought to you by Audi Salt Lake City, where you can pick up a new Audi Q5 SUV for only $3.59 per month. Visit Audi Salt Lake City at 999 South State or AudiSaltLakeCity.com. So, question of the day. What kind of chance to give the Jazz a winning Game 7? And with 42% of the vote, people expect the Jazz in a squeaker. 61% of the people think the Jazz are going to win it, but uh, 42% think it'll be a squeaker. Uh, The rest of you out there think they're going to win big. Nuggets in a squeaker, Nuggets win big, the vote's pretty much split there. So, there you go. For what it's worth... People are leaning a little towards Jazz and probably a close game. I can buy all that, sure. You're a fan. Why not pick your team? Why wouldn't you? Over 400 votes. And and the honest truth is, with everything we've seen, you can rationalize any prediction right now. They played a bunch of close games. It's going to be a close game. Denver's got all the momentum. It ought to be them. Murray can't possibly stay this hot, and if he's not, they can't win, so it'll be the Jazz. Uh, Of what we've seen through six games, you can rationalize anything and not sound ridiculous. Uh, Joe Ingles for 40. Okay, that was ridiculous. (laughs) But I'd take it. And then him just coming on at the air going. At some point, he's got to go at twenty-seven. I was, I was open. I was feeling it. It was going in. You know, <laughs> my teammates set me up. Yeah, right. I'm happy for Renai and the kids. Uh, we got a lot of people tweeting right at us. Uh, Israel said, "Rodriguez, it's on lock. One hundred percent chance we win, baby." <laughs> That's. Pretty optimistic, wow, given, given what awesome. we've just seen in games five and six. 100%. Uh, Rob, and I think this, I think Quinn would second this. Jazz fell in love with their own offensive accomplishments. They have a good offense, obviously, but they've forgotten the defense, which would have already been the deciding factor in this series had they played it to their capability. We have a one-man offense. They have a two-man offense. If they D people up tonight, could the Jazz win? Yes. Will they D people up? 
no well, idea. Well, I think they'll have a better defensive effort. I mean, those guys still might go off, but you know, all you got to do is play sound defensive principles and make guys take tough shots, contested, and all that stuff. All that we hear, they go in, they go in, and you try to do the same thing on the other end. I mean, they, who's to say that the Nuggets don't have another prolific game, but the Jazz have a little bit better and they win? And maybe it's because of these sight lines and whatnot that it becomes very much more difficult to limit these guys. So it works both ways. The sight lines aren't different. It's not like they're dramatically different on one end of the hoop to the uh, one uh, one hoop to this uh, the other. So uh, you know, the principles are there. They know how to win. There's no reason why they don't win. But I can say the same thing about the Nuggets. Josh says the Jazz have a chance. It's not as good as me winning the lottery, but they definitely have a chance. So you're yeah, saying there's a, a better chance. chance than you winning the lottery. Yes. That's those odds are astronomical. One in a million. They're not astronomical here. One in seventy three million or something ridiculous like that. All right, DJ PK, it's ninety seven five and twelve eighty the zone. The Northern Utah High School Player of the Week Award is presented by John Watson Chevrolet in Ogden. Honors the top prep athletes each week of the high school season here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Our winner this week is Cayman Best, quarterback at Bonneville High School. Best led the Lakers to a 37-13 victory over Bear River High last Friday. He passed for five touchdowns, connecting with four different receivers in the process, two of them to Mason Koopmans. Bonneville's off to a 2-1 start to the year. Best is tied for third in the state with 11 touchdown passes so far this season. The Northern Utah High School Player of the Week Award presented by John Watson Chevrolet with new and used cars at 3535 Wall Avenue in Ogden. Proud sponsor of the John Watson Northern Utah Player of the Week Award. Scotty and Hands are up next. We will see you tomorrow with reaction to Game 7.